We never sat down with a strategy to say what they're going to do. I'm kind of getting that, to be honest with you. No, no. <laughs> we just took opportunities. When opportunity came along, we took it. The Architects of Business on Joe, in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. Hello and welcome back to the Architects of Business on Joe, made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, where we hear the inspirational stories of some of Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Sonia Lennon, and in this episode, I speak with Jack Dobson, the low-key founder of Dunbia, a red meat processor that is one of Europe's leading food companies. Jack Dobson, thank you so much for coming in to see us in Architects of Business. Um, I think this is going to be a really nice Tyrone, languorous journey through your life. So tell us a little bit about uh, your upbringing. Uh, I was born in the village of Moy, and uh, my father was a cattle dealer. But in Moy, my father and his, my uncle, had a business together in the egg business in Moy. At the same time as being a cattle dealer? No, well, he worked at cattle. He did have an interest in cattle at the time. Okay. But in the working with the eggs, my father bought cattle round the, off the local farmers as he was collecting eggs. So anyhow, as he was collecting eggs one night, when he was coming home with the truck, with the eggs on the truck, he had, he had an accident. So my uncle says to my father, he says, Fred, you're going to have to do one or the other. You'll have to stay at the eggs or go to the cattle. He says, I'm going to the cattle. Interesting. So, so he left the egg business and he started dealing in cattle. What sort of size of business was that then? So obviously it was, it was your dad and his brother. Where, was, it a, was it a big, successful business or, it, or were it, they just... It was a successful business. Yeah. Very successful. Then he had two sons. My uncle had two sons. And unfortunate with the troubles of Northern Ireland, they were murdered in the troubles oh of Northern goodness. Ireland. But this was before they had a very successful business, but this was before they were come into the business. So my father started the cattle. He had a real passion for cattle, live animals. So I was brought up at home. I had no idea at school what I wanted to do. Absolutely no idea. But anyhow, when I was 15... I did not like school, so I left school and I joined him with him working at cattle in the business. And he was happy for you to do that? Yes. He understood no, it? No problem, no problem. And did you have siblings? I have uh, two brothers and one sister. Okay. And are they in the business? Uh, one left school to go to work in a meat factory Uh huh. and the other brother left to go to Canada. And my other sister was a nurse. She's older than I. Okay. Okay. So cattle dealer, to my untrained ears, sounds like quite a big deal. So was, you know, was he sort of a, a man of good standing? Did yeah. he have, you know, kind of social positioning? It's, it's, quite a, it's quite an important role, I guess. He was a very honest human being. He never took a high position anywhere. 
he never, he never. My other uncle who was in the egg business, he would have took a higher stand in society with people talking to him and he would have, people would have looked up to him more than my father. But probably more by the sound of it because he had made that position for himself. Yes, he made a position for himself, that's correct. I get the impression, Jack, that you follow in your father's footsteps. Do you think so? Well, you seem like a very um, low-key man to me. That's correct. Yeah? That's exactly right. So tell us, when you went into the business at the age of 15, what did your day look like? Uh, every day we went to a cattle market. So we bought cattle for the local farmers, local. So if they wanted 10 cattle bought, we mm -hmm. bought the 10 cattle and six cattle and four cattle and three cattle and two cattle. But very interestingly, <coughs> my, our house at home was a cattle dealer's house. They come to it on a Saturday night. Mm -hmm. They all come to the house to Keeley. Well, maybe people doesn't know what a Keeley is. That is when a person comes to your house, comes in, sits down, stays for one hour and goes home again. They're never, they're never asked to come or they're never asked to leave. So they come as long as you like or leave when you like. So your, your home was a central hub then? A central hub in the village of Moy. Wow. That's where you're from. That must have been pretty um, exciting, and I guess. Very, very interestingly, my father uh, done a lot of uh, work with a man called Ernest Johnson. Mm -hmm. And he chewed tobacco. So in our house, there was a range, one of the old time ranges, mm -hmm. and you had a door in the front. And he sat in the front of the range and he chewed tobacco. He, you know, the way yeah, he yeah. tobacco and chewed tobacco. And when he chewed tobacco, he chewed, chewed, and then after there was a bit left. So, so he, into the he, made a, he made a range to go to the fire, missed the fire down the range, the front of the range. My mother never said he'd done it. Whenever he left the house, she went for a cloth and she cleaned the rack. Charming. My mother never spoke. Your mother never spoke? No. She would, been, she would never have spoke. My father had done a lot of talking. He would have done all the talking. That's and amazing. Maybe there'd have been. I'm, I'm finding it very hard to relate to that, Jack. Yeah, well, uh, talking is my living. <laughs> it's, it's quite, the house is quite different for she sat in the corner and never spoke. And maybe you'd have had maybe six or eight people in the house at night. And they talked the whole, what the, and happened in the cattle fairs that week. Mm. The price of cattle and how they're given this and the price and all, that's what it all does. Did you own cattle or were you just oh, moving yes. it? No, no, we owned cattle ourselves. We had a farm of our own cattle ourselves, yes. We had our own farm, yes. So <coughs> uh, you were very close to your dad. Yes. Um, so in a way, the, the only thing you were ever going to do was to, to, to take over what he had created. Yes, well, I, I, I finished up, I got an interest in what he'd done. I took an interest. So he was buying cattle for people. He come to the age of about 68. So anyhow, uh, there was a man had a... The price of cattle collapsed in Ireland mm -hmm. in 1974. So the, the, uh, this man asked my father to buy cattle for the goat butcher shop. So when he bought the cattle for the butcher shop, 
I was doing maybe six or eight. Well, this is the time when people want to buy a side of beef or a hind quarter of beef and four quarter of beef. So then he, he bought the cattle for the local for the local uh, in the local council abattoir. Mm-hmm. So whenever he bought that, uh, it, we sent them in. We just so we were buying cattle every day. We knew we could knew the price of cattle. We knew everything. So that was all right. We bought the cattle and sent them into him. So in 1976, he said to my father, he says, my son, who I bought, built the shop for, has no interest. Would you buy the shop from me? So father says, all right, I will. So he bought the shop in 1976. But Which we, made perfect sense. But we were not butchers. We were cattle dealers. Mm-hmm. My father, my brother had joined me at this time in 1973 or four. To, he left the job he was at in the slaughtering of cattle and he come to join me in the dealing in cattle. Sure. So that was all right. He bought the shop. My father bought the shop in 1976. When he bought the shop, uh, when he, he, uh, he says, I'm leaving the cattle dealing. Right. He says, I'm, Your dad? Yes. So he says, I'm going into the shop. I says... To do what exactly? <laughs> he wasn't a butcher. I know. He was 70 years of age. I says, to, I, maybe 68 or 70 in that range. So I says to my father, like, you're mad to say this is crazy. Like, when you're dealing as long as I am, you'd be glad to get out. He'd had enough. I've had enough. It's, it must be hard physical work as well. No, it's... it's <laughs> I wouldn't say it's hard, but it's, it's a, it just takes a while of, you have a lot of confrontation every day, there's trade every day, and it's more confrontation. Okay. So he says, I, I'm going to the shop. So he went For into a bit the, of peace and quiet. End of peace and quiet. <laughs> so anyhow, he went into the shop, and from that time we were doing about 10 cattle a week, then the price of animals got up in price. So people started to stop buying freezer cattle, for, beef for the freezer. Because everyone who bought a side of beef, they all thought they were all going to buy top side or sirloin mm. roast or fill a steak. Mm. But they didn't realise that flank. That Everything fat, else as well. The fat, the bones. Yeah. They didn't realise the shin beef. They didn't realise it. They all thought they bought a hind quarter of beef. They just got to buy a fill a steak and, and sirloin. Mm. So a lot of these stuff was left over in the, in the freezers. Mm. That was okay. Uh, he went into the shop anyhow, and uh, so the, the freezer meat started to slip. So we went back from 10 cattle a week back to about two. Okay. And he was still in the shop, and this butcher was with us. So he says, Fred, I, I'm leaving you. So he says, I'm going to start a shop myself in Castle Dawson, which is a town outside Mackerfield. So he left us. So whenever he left us, anyhow, uh, my father was still in the shop, so we got another butcher in. And so that was all right. So did your father take up butchery yeah, at the age well, of 70? He was more talking to ladies coming in. <laughs> that was more the... And he's talking to people. And, you know, people from yeah. the town come in and started to talk to them. 
that was all right. He was having his own Kaylee in the butcher shop. That's correct. That's right. <laughs> and he, he loved it. And women come in and how he looked after them and, and, and he was good to them. And the freezer sent them was supplied scampi and yeah. all this, all the freezer stuff, all that stuff. So that was all right. Next thing, he, uh, he stayed the shopping. But this guy left us and he says, I, I, I'm going to start this shop. So he started, asked us as a blam, beast. He says, you'll supply my cousin who's in another village co. So I supplied him, supplied other people. So this wee business started to go. And I, for we had all the, I always remember, we had the animals. It didn't matter. I had all the beef to sell. We had all, for we knew all the markets. We Perfect. knew all the farmers. Perfect. That was okay. Went on ahead. So when he was surprised by this man and that man, so the next thing was, um, we're up to about 30 cattle a week, supplying people in Belfast. And so, so this phone rings me one night. Jack, I guess. Uh, I believe you're looking for someone to sell beef for you. I says, uh, I hadn't uh, planned. I didn't think of it. He says, right. He says, he says, I can sell it if you can give it to me. I says, well, I have no problem. I can give you all the cattle you want. What do you need? What do you want? He says, I can supply butcher shops in Belfast and Down Patrick and Kilkeel. I says, very good. Never knew the man. He just popped up out of the blue. He rang up out of the blue. Didn't know. So uh, next thing he says, you're supplying some people in Belfast. I says, that's correct. He says, Tito asked me, where are you going? He says, I'm going to buy a Newton Arts Road. I'm going to buy a Finnehy. I'm going to buy an at Bearsbridge Road. I'm going to uh, buy a uh, uh, couple of other shops. Yeah. He s- I say, I'm going to uh, buy at uh, Botanic Avenue. He says, could you tell me who that boy is? I says, I says to him, it's a man called Gorman. He says, you don't mind me telling you. But the people you have said have all no money. Those butchers have no money. Oh, I was giving these boys a month's credit. I didn't know. Because I, 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 I had the kettle cheap. I, I knew I had them cheap. We'd done all the work ourselves. We'd done everything ourselves. We had everything. He says, can I meet you? I says, no problem. Or I got to meet on the Tuesday. So Madam on Tuesday... Didn't know this man. Didn't know him from Adam. He says, those men, you need to get out of those boys. He says, those boys, have, there's nobody wants to supply them in the Belfast uh, area. No, the wholesalers doesn't want to supply them. I says, right. He says, I'll give you a man who will play. I says, okay. So I started. So he started to sell. He was totally correct. Totally correct. My God, I love this man. He sounds like he's wearing a cloak. He sounds like a superhero. I didn't know him. I did not even know him. He was a butcher. He was a butcher. So anyhow, that was all right. So he started to sell the beef for me. But in this time, he worked with me to get the money down from these boys. Now, one of the boys, I'll just take an example from Finnehy. That's the edge of Belfast. <clears throat> this boy had a shop. He's doing five cattle per week. And he had nine lambs per week so we're doing these lambs and uh, I, this, he started slow to pay couldn't, couldn't get money off him which the other boy told me so anyhow I, uh, I says when, 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 a man called Johnson 
I says, we, we need to get this money off you. So he says, Jack, I haven't got the money. Well, I says, only one plan. We'll take the shop over. So we took the shop over. We'll talk about lost money before. It was a mighty loss of money. That It was even worse. When you took it over? Yes. <clears throat> so I says, this is terrible to say. We have to get out of the shop. This is not our business. We've got to get out of the shop business. So we got out of the shop, and we sold the shop and got rid of the shop. So we still stayed in the selling of beef to the butcher shops in Kilkeel, Patrick, and everywhere else. But the story doesn't stop there. No. The, the, the business continued to, right. to develop. We're going to take a quick break right. and then we're going to come back and hear about the next piece of the story. The Architects of Business on Joe, in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. So, Jack, how did the business change once you made that decision? Well, we went and we slaughtered the cattle in the municipality for the shops. What happened was the abattoir come to me and says, Jack, we cannot, uh, do, can't kill them. You're killing more cattle than we can, than process. We, that can process. So we have to go and do something. So I says, Jim, what are we going to do here? So I says, we're going to have to build our own plant, build our own slaughterhouse. So we got the plans to build the plant. But first of all, before we get plans, we'll have to go to the bank. So uh, we went to the bank, and uh, I says to Billy Smith, the manager, I says, Billy, we need some money to build it. We're thinking of building mm-hmm. a new. The arbitrator has said, we can't do any more business for you. Oh, they're too much, so they cannot do it. So uh, the, I says to Billy, we need some money. Okay. He says, sure, that's okay, work away, work away. I says, but... We need some money. I know, but sure, work away. I said, but we need money. I said, what do you want? But remember now, 1984, yep. interest rates were 15%, 16%. Wow. So he says, what do you want? I says, we need a million. I says, what? <laughs> so he near sunk on the seat. I says, well, he says, I'll go to head office. Went to head office, back, a worrying week. So anyhow, was, so we come back, Jack, no money. Can't give it to you. I said, man, what are we going to do? He says, say, well, he says, I'll go back next, go back next Friday. So back in the next Friday. He says, I got that sorted out for you. He says, that's all right. But don't worry, he says, you've the money, he says, and I'm leaving next year. What else? As long as you've got the money, it didn't matter. <laughs> Brilliant. He didn't care. <laughs> didn't care. Done. Done. Done, dude. And was that, was that, um... I mean, listening to your story, it's it's so organic, yeah. the development of this yeah. business. Yeah. Um, and it's based on a kind of a, a, a deep knowledge of your trade and your craft. Okay. Was that a worrying time for you? That was a worrying time going to the bank to get money then. But, but for, yeah, I get that. But actually making that investment yes. and, and building the next stage of the business, did, did you think twice about that at no. all? No. No. It was not, the, the worrying did not anything. All, if you would be an auditor or a solicitor or somebody sit down and put money in you, says, like, this will never work. It'll never work. But we never, we never, we were never, we never sat down with a strategy to say what we're going to do. I'm kind of getting that, to be honest with you. No, no. 
We just took opportunities. When opportunity came along, we took it. Opportunity came along, we took it. And well, well, some were left behind, some were went, and that's yeah. what we done. So uh, I suppose th- this opportunity-led growth yes. rather than strategic growth yes, that's correct. Uh, developed into an enormous business. Yes. And an enormous business <clears throat> that um, found you as, as uh, an entrant to Entrepreneur of the Year. That's correct. So how did that happen? Because you do not strike me as the type of man who would put your hand up and say, pick me. Well... What happened was a son of mine was in for it the year before. And Rob With a totally different business. A to- well, it's, it was a business inside a business. Okay. So, he, so he was doing that good, awful business out to the Far East. <clears throat> and uh, he, he was in for it and Rob Hearn come along to us and he said, Jack, you'll go for this. I said, no, I am not going for this. No, I want that. I'm not one of these to put my head up. No way, I'm not going. So anyhow, uh, I check you will. I says, no, I'm not. So uh, Stuart says, after he went out, he says, so why not go for it? You don't lose. So I says, right, okay, right, I will go for it. So next thing, he come back up and Rob, he come up and asked me all these questions, took the questions down. And the next thing, he said, you're in the last 24. And he says, come and to come to the do in Dublin, the city west. So after that, so I was called for it. I could not believe it. I would never did I think I was going to win it. It was never in my mind. I never think I did, you know. And what did it mean for you? Because it must have been, you know, you're, <clears throat> you've been so singular all your life and That's just right. working really hard and focusing well, on the opportunity. Working on the opportunity of sticking to what we knew in life. Yeah. So we knew in life, we, we worked, worked at animals. It was our passion of cattle trading and and beef hollands was our passion. That was what we wanted in life, you know. So all of a sudden then, your, your Entrepreneur of the Year, um, all the hard work has been rubber stamped by the best quality mark in the world. Some, some of our business now, when we, when we were in business now, we did a lot of work for Sainsbury's, still do. You talk about some of the down things in life. Uh, we were doing about five or 600 tonne of retail pack for Sainsbury's. Uh, he put the business up for tender, for they're going to have with two suppliers. Yeah, they put up. We're going to have one supplier. We come in. Uh, we come in second. So we had a factory, and supplying about seven hundred people in it. Same says we're taking the business off you. So you talk about a worrying time. It was a worrying time. So we have to say, Brian, I said, look. We'll have to say and say, "Are we going to go for this? Are we going to collapse? Are we going to do?" But we says, "No, we're going to go for this." So what? So we just look for more business, look for more business, and but we we'll come through. Turn it, it around. It was a hard. It was definitely a hard year, a year and a half. That and wh- in relation then to to your your uh, time with EY, yes, was that before or after? Oh, that was after after the business. This is before EY. Okay. And so uh, the, the, everybody who has been through the programme talks yes. about the network and the knowledge. Yes. It, it must have given you a very different context on your own business to, to, to meet with so many diverse entrepreneurs. Yes, yes. Well, you meet people like from computers and from steelwork and everything. It's totally different. It left me to believe that this 
this business is outside our business. We're just not, you know, people earn money. But all we just focused on what we're doing. We just we just kept in mind that that was what we done. That was our business, you know. And did it change the way you did business, or change the way you know you you approached well, the challenges? Well, you know, that was two thousand fifteen. I sold out in two thousand seventeen. So. I, I've, I've the answer's in there somewhere, well, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we we sold out. So I I sold my business two years ago. So I so, so talk to me about that. That that m- must have been um, a very tough decision for you because I get the impression that 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 Jack and his identity are so wrapped up into into what you did all your life. That's right. Well, I, it was, but. <laughs> It's very difficult to say because I wrote, see, when you work with, I worked with a certain number of people and the people that I worked with, this, that's all the, the people that I knew in Northern Ireland, the people in England, we worked with a lot of people in Wales, but you wrapped up all these people here, so you never got looking outside of the machinery business, never got looking outside of word business or people making kitchens or, yeah. you, you got just wrapped up in your own, in your own business, what you're doing yourself. But once you went to EY, you seen people outside that had all the businesses, and, yeah. you know. But I, we just still kept the focus of stick to what you do. Yeah. We just that's our focus in life. Stick to what you do. <clears throat> so, what was the catalyst then for deciding to sell the business? Well, I come to. Well, I say I have. I come to be 66, and I says after 65, I says, look, I need to refocus my life here, what I'm going to do here. So I says, look, I think I'll, if I get an opportunity to go, and then we got the opportunity to go, and so... And did the opportunity find you again? Or did you look for it? Well, we put our business up for... We, we uh, IBL had done this marketing for us, and they put it out to say we're going to sell it. Yeah. And then these people come along to buy, and so we took the opportunity. But my brother, he stayed on. He's younger now. Okay. So he stayed He's on. He's still in the business. Yes. He works for... So uh, So we. Uh, I just took the business to get out. And I, I took it. And bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right bye well, <laughs> well, you know, when you come 41 years, it's, yeah. that's a very long time. So I just thought... It must be quite an adjustment. <clears throat> well... A son of mine, he works at building houses, so mm-hmm. I spend a fair little bit of time with him, and so I enjoy it. You know, I, I said I'm not just stuck to one thing now. You know, but you know, you miss you miss the people who you worked with for years. You miss the phone calls. You miss waking up in the morning, and we used to wake up half five and go up out to work, and yeah. you miss all that. You yeah. know, so now you're seven half seven in the morning now before you get up, but but still. We have our own farm. We feed about three hundred and fifty cattle. If a, if a young fellow works for me on the farm, and I'm going to spend time with him, which is yep. quite enjoyable. You know, I, I enjoy it. You know, and I'm sure you must um, get requests for for advice all the time from entrepreneurs. Yeah, if people there ask me at the at the moment there to go and I want to come and pick your brains for this and pick your brains for that. You know, and so. So what 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 are the takeouts for you? Because you you've lived a very full life um, and and seen every angle of your sector, I suppose. At this stage, yeah. uh, there must be transferable advice that can be planted into any business. Yeah, but what I you have got 
to spend time. The whole secret is spending time at what you're doing. You cannot go in for two hours a week and or two hours a day and walk out again and leave it to someone else. You've got to be there. You've got to stay there. You've got to spend the time. Put the graft in. You have got to put the graft in. It'll not work without the graft. And this is why when we were there opening up the door and closing the door. and because you know, no first, one, first in, last out. No one can do the job like yourself. There's, nobody can do it like yourself, you know. You've got to be there. That's what we found. That's what I found, you know. What, what do you think are, are the traits in you? And I know this is going to be a tough question for you because um, you, you are one of the most low-key entrepreneurs I think we've had on the couch. What do you think are the traits in you that made Dumbia such a success? Oh. Have I put you on the spot? Yeah, I have. Um. What I see, and I, I, I don't know you other than the time we spent together, um, is an unbelievable solidity and steadfastness. I can't imagine you ever being knocked over by a challenge or a situation. <clears throat> we just... We just had to sit down and, and say, look, how are we going to get through this problem? <clears throat> this is a problem. Now, we have to get through it. We'll have to go round, round up or down or on that, but we have to go through it. And we have to go, you know, we had a lot of problems there with <clears throat> with uh, ministry and department and this is all working with them. So we said we'll have to even say to these people, you have a lot of problems with these people, like, and... You know, so like you just have to work through the problems, just to work through the problems. And you must see, um, <clears throat> you know, shudders of of your time and your history in in the current beef crisis. Yes, yes, we had the we had a lot of big problems with the BSE and foot and mouth, and we went through all that. It was a big problem those, those times too. But what could we do? We just had to work through. We <clears throat> when we had the problem with the foot and mouth. Chips is like, everyone is going to stop farming. There's nobody going to farm. It's going to, the whole thing going to collapse. So we brought our 25 best farmers in. We put them in the office. They brought them into the boardroom and sat down with them all. And we said, <coughs> look, we want to buy, same as we wanted a, a beast between 280 and 350 kilos. We said, we want you to supply these type of animals for us because we have to keep going. They want to be buying beef, so they're not going to stop buying beef. The supermarket yeah. not not going to stop, so we have to have them for them. We have to do this. So <clears throat> we said to the farmers, "We'll pay for the animal. You feed them, and we'll pay at the end of time." So you upfronted for the we farmers. We upfronted them. That's amazing. We upfronted to protect yourself. Protect the set to protect for the supply's interest, and co-op is played co-op as well as the same place. When we, we put them down, so how many people took up the opportunity? Farmers. Two. Really? Two out of 23. That's oh, sorry, extraordinary. And these were our steadfast farmers who give us cattle every week. So we had to, all we had, they, no, they, they said to us, we said, like, why, why will you not do this? They said to us, where's the catch? I said, there's no catch. We don't know what the price of kettle is going to be in six months. We don't know. All we know, we need beef. That's all we do know. We'll have to get beef. But two took up the property. Unbelievable. But that's what happened. 
Jack, your story is uh, quite incredible. Um, mm. It's been such a pleasure to to sit here and hear about an industry that I'm, I have to be honest, I know very little, yeah. nigh on nothing about. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Joe's Architects of Business, made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Thanks to the team here at Maximum Studios and, of course, to our fabulous guest, Jack Dobson. If you haven't already done so, please do subscribe to get a brand new episode of the show into your feed every fortnight for free. I'm Sonia Lennon. Thanks for listening. The Architects of Business on Joe, in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs.